made in the UK for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Got another cracker for you this week. Here's what's coming up. And we'll be able to see real live data about their estate and see an overview of devices which are in warranty, get the idea of the proportion of their estate, which is ultimately is unprotected. We're also going to be talking about something called an impact box. It's a bunch of stuff that you send to them in the post to push them over the edge. And I'll be answering a question about how to prioritize what's most important every day. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I want to start today by talking about hassle buckets. And I believe that every single one of us has a hassle bucket inside our head. So what's a hassle bucket? Well, it's a measure for how much hassle, how much grief and stress we can deal with at any one time. And some people's buckets are very deep. They can take enormous amounts of hassle before their bucket overflows and they run into problems. Other people's buckets are more shallow. And I don't believe that you're born with a specific depth of hassle bucket. I think it's something that appears in your head when you're a teenager and it develops as you become an adult. And in fact, you can deepen your hassle bucket over time. But you've got to beware because it can also become more shallow. It can block up and overflow quite often, sometimes unexpectedly. Anytime your hassle bucket gets so full that it overflows, you suddenly become unable to deal with all the things that you need to deal with in your life. Now, as business owners, we do have quite deep hassle buckets, you and me, as business owners and managers. So we can take on enormous amounts of hassle at any one time. I think it's something that we learn in the first few years of running a business. You think about all the things that you have to do, all the hats that you have to wear in the first few years. And the depth of the bucket is what marks out someone who's able to be a successful business owner for decades versus someone who does it for a few years and really struggles with it. But here's the thing about being a business owner. Your hassle bucket might be deep, but it's also 80% full most of the time. In fact, wouldn't you argue that part of the curse of being the business owner is that your hassle bucket is so full so often? Because you think about all the things that you and I have to juggle all the time. We've got the burden of cash flow, which we have to juggle. And cash flow mentally is one of the most destructive forces when you're running a business. If you have a bad cash flow, if you have a positive one, it's one of the most liberating ones. There's the burden of staff, of course, because our staff are our children. And no matter how old they are, no matter how experienced they are, they're looking to you as their parents. That's psychologically how the staff-boss relationship works. There is, of course, the burden of winning new business. And it's not so bad for an established MSP as it is for a newer one, but winning new business is difficult for all MSPs. And then, of course, there's the burden of just keeping your existing clients happy and trying to be on top of all of the work. And you can have as many systems and PSAs and processes and tools as you like, but ultimately it is a burden. And the bigger you get, the more the burden is, the greater the burden is. In fact, if any sane person was to look at the hassles and burdens of running a business, they'd be like, no, thanks. I'm not doing this. I'm going to run a mile. But you and I and lots of people like us, we take on that burden and we embrace it thoroughly because we love the freedom and the flexibility and how we can grow personally. Plus, of course, financially, what it can do for our family and for our staff as well, if we can pay them better than someone else could pay them. So the positives, of course, of owning your own business absolutely outweigh the negatives. But there are various times of the year when our hassle bucket overflows. You think back to about a month ago uh, when perhaps you went back to work early January, maybe you'd had a break and you felt great because you'd had a load of time off. You were really buzzing and, you know, you were just desperate to get back to work and do some stuff. And a month on from there, 
maybe you're a little bit worn out again. I know I am at this time of year. You know, maybe just maybe you need a little rest again and your hassle bucket is getting near the brim. It's getting high up. You know, it's it's a difficult thing to do because if the business owner's hassle bucket is normally at 80% and yours is currently at 90 or 95%, you know, that's when you start to feel stressed. That's when we start to feel overworked. It's when we start to feel like everything's getting on top of us. How would you grade your hassle bucket right now? What level is your hassle bucket at right now? Maybe that's a question you should be asking yourself every morning. What level is my hassle bucket right now? When the hassle bucket overflows, we find it very, very hard to cope with things. In fact, it's the small things that are more likely to push the hassle over the edge of the bucket. You've heard that phrase about the straw breaking the camel's back. It's spot on, isn't it? You can have all these major projects and you can cope with all these major projects. And then what pushes you over the edge one day is one tiny, tiny little thing. Now, I believe that the answer to this isn't to stop more things coming into the hassle bucket. What you've got to do instead is you've got to install a DOA relief tap further down the bucket. Now, we traditionally see DOA, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. We traditionally see DOA when we're watching a crime show on TV, and the victim is DOA, and it stands for dead on arrival. And we don't want to be dead on arrival as business owners because we want to stay alive and healthy as long as we can. That's what we've got the business for, to allow us to do that and to enjoy our lives. So we're going to change that acronym from dead on arrival to delegate, outsource, automate. And DOA means acknowledging that despite the fact that we are the business owner or manager and we are spectacular and we do have amazing superpowers and no one can do it as well as us. And by the way, of course, no one ever will do it as us. Despite this, we can actually delegate, we can outsource and we can automate many of the things that really we don't personally need to do. Again, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but it's a great mantra to live by. You should only do what only you can do. And in fact, the business owners who thrive for decades, not just last for decades, but thrive for decades, are the ones who are constantly looking at the work that they're supposed to be doing, the jobs that are sat in front of them. And they're asking themselves, who on my team can do this better? Who can do this quicker or easier than I can? Or who out there in the wonderful world we live in, where we can outsource nearly anything on Fiverr or on people per hour, who can do this job for me so that I personally don't have to do it? Or how can I automate this? And thank the good Lord for APIs. The goal is to remove hassle, is to simplify things and to give yourself an easier life, to keep that hassle bucket at no more than 80%. So actually every day is a really good day, no matter what crops up. Here's this week's clever idea. Marketing and sales are very much a science rather than an art. They may seem sometimes like a bit of a mystery, that there's this mystique around them, but that's not the case. They're just a series of processes, of procedures, of systems. They're really no different to technology. Isn't technology just a series of processes and systems? Yeah, sure, now and again, you have to apply a tiny little bit of mystique, of art, of experience, of of woo. And it's exactly the same in marketing, but actually 95% of it is systemizable. 95% of it is a process, it's following it. You take someone who is a stranger and you want to turn them into a lead, which is where they're aware of you. You want to build a relationship with them. You want to, from that relationship, turn them into a prospect where you're starting to have a one-on-one conversation with them. And then, of course, turning them into a client. All of that is just a process. It's a system. You can tweak that system. You can change that process. You can make it better anytime. This is why much of your marketing can be delegated or outsourced so that other people do it for you. You retain control, but other people physically do the work for you. Now, there's a clever idea that a number of my clients have been looking at. A couple of them have put it into place, and it's called an impact box. 
And it's a bunch of stuff that you send to a prospect to push them over the edge. So let's imagine that you've been out to see a prospect, you've had a great sales meeting with them, and you know that they're talking to a couple of other people, but you just want to give yourself that edge. Because the problem you have is that you could have spent two or three hours with them and they could be, oh yes, absolutely, you are the right people for us. But they have a very, very low awareness of technology, they have a very short memory, you know, you're reliant upon them remembering how you made them feel. Because someone picks you or doesn't pick you based on how they feel about you. Now, I'm excluding uh, selling to internal IT managers. Internal IT managers, it's, it's not really a normal sales process because they know about technology. So exclude that for a second. But when you're selling to normal business owners or managers, it's very much about how they feel about you. Because 99% of these people don't know what they don't know about technology. They don't know what the right solutions are. They don't really care. They just want it to work. But they want to put their trust in someone. And we all know that get the technology wrong and you can massively disrupt the business. So they are putting their trust in you. And you could have spent a couple of hours with them. They could feel very, very warm about you and feel that you're the right people to trust. But three weeks later, when they're going to make that decision, do they remember that memory? Do they remember that feeling? So an impact box is something that you can send to them to tip them over the edge, to make them remember you and to make them believe that you are the right people to trust. I mean, when we say it's as a box, it's physically a box that you send to someone, be a, a cardboard box that you would fill. It's almost like a gift pack. But what you put inside is designed to make them feel special. It's designed to make them feel that you have absolutely got their back. So what kind of stuff would you send them? Well, perhaps the first thing you would do is you'd send them your book. Every MSP needs to have a book. And it's a book that you have written or that has been written for you and has your name on the front, which is, of course, called Ghost Writing. Now, a book is not really a book. It's just a business card. It's a 48 page or whatever page business card. And it's a way of positioning you as something special in your marketplace. People love buying from true experts and true experts become authors. So you need to have your own book or you need to get that book written. So you'd certainly put your book in there and perhaps you'd put some other credibility materials in there. Perhaps you'd put some case studies. Perhaps you'd put some testimonials. Again, all of these physical printed materials. Maybe you'd have some videos. Now, if you have some, some of those videos, I would put them on a USB stick. Those videos being video testimonials from your clients, from your happy customers. The reason you put them on a USB stick, because it's physical. We want them to plug them into their laptop and watch those videos. Let's not have the conversation about the fact you could have had a virus on that USB. We'll save that conversation for another day. Some other stuff you'd put in your impact box would be some stuff they can eat, maybe some chocolates or some biscuits, you know, quality stuff, something that's fun, not too expensive, but not too cheap. Uh, maybe you'd, you could put a whole selection of chocolate bars in there. Uh, maybe if you'd had a conversation with them about their favorite chocolate bar, let's say, OK, this would be a great thing to do. Let's say during part of the sales process, you systemize to find out what their favorite chocolate bar is. Let's say it's a Snickers. How would they feel if you sent them 25 Snickers? Maybe 25 is too many, but you get the idea. A whole bunch of Snickers. Uh, maybe you'd put in there some cans of Coke or some cans of Diet Coke. Again, maybe you'd find out what their favorite drink is. What's the emotional impact you're going to have on someone if you send them a whole bunch of their favorite chocolate bars, a whole bunch of their favorite drinks, a book to read, some videos to watch, and then the cream of the impact box is a handwritten note. Now, you don't personally have to handwrite this. I try personally 
not to handwrite anything because my handwriting hasn't really developed since I was 14. But I would get a handwritten note written by someone else. And again, you can just outsource this or delegate it to someone on your staff or outsource it to someone in your area to just handwrite this note for you. And the handwritten note is from you to them. And it's not just a, hi, nice to meet you, here's some stuff. It's a handwritten note about their business. It might be a, a two or even a three page note. And it might say, hi, prospect name. It was great to meet you last week and to chat about your business. I remember you saying that Snickers were your favorite chocolate bar. So I thought I'd send you a few plus some Diet Cokes uh, while, you're, uh, while you're reading my book and looking at the testimonials that my clients have happily recorded for me. I know that picking a new IT support company is a very big decision. And I know that we got on very well at the meeting and I think we would be an excellent choice for you. Certainly, we'd love to work with you. I wanted to send you this pack and this note so you could see we were as keen to work with you as we hope that you are to work with us. I'm available to chat to you at any point if you've got any questions about joining the business. Just give me a call on number, contact details, etc, etc, etc. Now, this kind of box, which again, remember, you can systemize this. This kind of box is called an impact box because it has a real impact. It arrives at someone's office. There, whoever receives the post has a certain amount of, wow, what's this? It lands on the boss's desk. In fact, maybe you'd pick a brightly colored box, a bright yellow box with a giant red label or a green label on it saying, open me now, urgent materials inside, so that it does have a real shock. In fact, I've heard this called a shock and awe box before. Impact box, shock and awe box, doesn't matter what you call it. It's a system. You take your hottest prospects, the ones that you really want to work with, the ones that you think are most likely to sign up, and you hit them with this a few days after you meet. Because what it does is it tips them over the edge. It pushes them to be much more likely to pick you. And after you've invested all of that time and effort and energy warming someone up and going out and seeing them, that's exactly the position you want to be in. We don't want to leave this to chance. We want to tick off every single possible box so that every single prospect you go to see that you want to work with is much more likely to select you. And that is a great system to have. Paul's blatant plug. I have an epic community and it's got hundreds of members from around the world, all of them MSPs who've come there to discuss marketing, sales and how to make more money out of their business. Now, it's a safe place because we've made it a vendor-free zone. So you can go in and ask all sorts of questions about suppliers, about what you should be selling, about marketing and about sales, knowing that there's no vendor looking over your shoulder. So if you want to join this community, it's completely free. All you've got to do is go onto Facebook and type in MSP Marketing. Up at the top, you'll see in the search results, just click on Groups and you'll see the MSP Marketing Facebook group. Click on that, tell me which MSP you work for, and I will add you in completely free. I'd be delighted and honored to welcome you into my community. The Big Interview. So, uh, so I'm James, I'm the Partner Development Exec here at Warranty Master, part of the UK team. So we've been operating since January 2018. And Warranty Master is an asset lifecycle management tool, which is designed to help MSPs sell more and service less. Now, obviously, all MSPs know that selling tin, shifting tin, uh, it's, it's no longer got the margins that it used to have. Uh, most people are quite happy to supply hardware, but no, they're not going to make a huge amount of money on it. But do you still see there are opportunities for uh, making good money selling more hardware to, to end clients? Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Things to bear in mind is, is obviously the project time, which will be involved in, in this as well, um, which is another opportunity available for, uh, for MSPs to, to, to gain on that front. And, uh, and it's about protecting clients as much as anything as well. 
So if your client's running an older or a slower machine, it could be inefficient for their business and, and it could provide security issues as well. And most MSPs, um, I guess, track the devices that their, their clients have got using IT Glue or whatever documentation software that they've got. Um, obviously, Warranty Master um, is, is, is a system that specializes in, in tracking those assets. What's the advantages of using a, a specialist tool rather than a, than a general documentation tool? We, we integrate and get on very well with IT Glue, actually. And the, the key difference between us and IT Glue is, is asset lifecycle management is our, our bread and butter so to speak. So we are uh, automatically pulling in all the purchase dates and all the warranty expiration dates of every single piece of equipment, which, uh, which our MSP customers have got out on client site. And that's coming straight from the vendor databases. Um, and we're helping the report on that specific information as well. And you, and you actually integrate with the um, PSAs as well, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. No, we integrate with, um, with Kaseya, ConnectWise, Autotask. Um, yeah. So you're dragging you're dragging the information out of out of the other systems and then putting it in a single place. But then you also put some some value on top of that. Am I am I right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So so the reporting in Warranty Master is um, first of all it's very easy uh, and, uh, and efficient to generate, and it's it's a very good at getting the point across to a customer that the risk and the exposure they're taking in their into their estate. Uh, and on top of that, it's helping. It's very good at um, helping recommend which devices should be um, flagged for either refresh or a warranty purchase. Got it. So, so they the, the advantage to the MSP is that you you've got a set of tools and some some reporting and some information and evidence to show to the end clients. Yes, you could sit with that computer for another two years, but the disadvantage of doing that is this, and the advantage of upgrading is is this, and then that's being provided to them at exactly the right moment. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no on the head, yeah. So there's a, there's a feature within the reporting which helps the MSP and, and the end user calculate the cost of running an older or a slower machine. Um, and then it's very easy to weigh those two numbers up versus um, the cost of actually buying a new machine. Quite often, uh, the cost of buying a new machine tends to be the one that's better for the business. But the clients that you have got that are using Warranty Master, what are the most successful ones doing with it? So how are they leveraging the software to sell more to their clients? It's a good question. We get asked that quite a bit as well, actually. So some of them will automate it or schedule it, which is something which you can do within the Warranty Master portal. So they can either be sent out once a month or once a quarter. Um, so you can have this information in front of their customers, first of all, effortlessly, um, and second of all, on a nice regular basis as well. Um, a lot of other customers are choosing to take these along to quarterly reviews or, or monthly reviews with their customers and go through the reports with them in person. What I like particularly about Warranty Master is that you can get started for free. So it's, it's a freemium model. Uh, so you, yes. you get started for free and then obviously you, you pay if you want to unlock uh, extra functionality. What's the easiest way for uh, an MSP to get started for free on Warranty Master? You'd go to, to warrantymaster.com and there are uh, some instructions on there from where you can set up a free account. From there, um, the MSPs can then integrate their RMM or PSA or IT Glue if they're using it. And, um, and we'll be able to see real live data about their estate and see a overview of devices which are in warranty, get the idea of the proportion of their estate, which is ultimately is unprotected. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Ask Paul anything. Hi Paul, this is Andy from Initial IT. With so much to do day to day, how do I prioritise what's important? Thanks, Andy. Great question. And I think it's a real problem for MSPs because we're all too busy. But you have the added pressure that every now and again, you have to drop everything to go and fix stuff. No matter how high up you are in the organisation, no matter how divorced you are from support, 
the very reason that someone hires you is to fix things when they're broken. And I appreciate you want to do a lot more proactive work, but you have to stop everything and fix it. So how do you prioritize when you've got all these things that need to be done? I think the answer comes in setting really good goals. You've got to know what it is that you're trying to achieve with your life and what it is that you're trying to achieve with your business. And remember, we've spoken about this before on the podcast, that the business is there to give you a great life. The purpose of your life is not to feed the business. It's supposed to be the other way around. So you need to be very, very clear on what you want from your life and how the business is going to give you that. I'll give you an example. I have um, some very clear goals for this year. In terms of my lifestyle, uh, I'm just about to move house literally in the next few weeks. Uh, so I'll be taking on a much bigger mortgage. In fact, I've been mortgage free for a number of years. So I'll be taking on a big mortgage. So I need to earn some more money to pay that mortgage. And then I want to extend this house. I want to put another bedroom on it. I want to extend the kitchen. I want to do some stuff to this house. Who doesn't want to do stuff to their house? So that's going to need some more money. I'm going to need to either pay some debt or generate some, some, you know, some capital to do that. And all of this ultimately means I need to increase my own personal income this year. So that's my goal for the business is I need to increase my personal income. And to do that with the business, the business has got to generate more profit. But I don't want to spend more time working. I want to, in fact, actually work a little bit less this year. Why not? There's nothing wrong with that. Earn more money and work a little bit less. So that means I've got to be very strategic in the things that I sell, in the promotions that I do. I've got to be quite smart about how we bring on new customers, how we develop our existing clients, all of that kind of stuff. And the goals for the business drive me, therefore, in terms of the things that I'm going to do this year. And it should be no different in your business. You should be looking at that saying, hey, right, OK, this year I want, let's say, another 50,000 extra personal income from the business. How am I going to generate another 60, 70, 80,000 extra net profit from the business? What are, we going, what are going to be the things that are going to make the biggest difference? How am I going to increase the average customer value by 1,000 a month or 1,000 a year, say? And these are the kind of thoughts that you should be having to look at this and say, right, this is what's most important in the business this year. Now, once you've got that very clear and once you've written that down and once you're in the habit of looking at that every single day, suddenly prioritizing becomes very, very clear to you. And it becomes a lot easier because even though there's lots of other things that need to be done, lots of other tasks that need to be jumped on, and I'm excluding the major emergency when everyone has to drop everything and go and sort out a client, suddenly prioritizing becomes very simple. It's about doing the things that matter first. This podcast matters enormously to me. I made a 12-month commitment to this podcast. This is uh, episode 12. So I've got at least another 40 episodes to go. And I have a feeling we'll be, we'll be doing this podcast for years. So I make this podcast the number one thing I do on a Monday morning. Come rain or shine, no matter what else needs to be done, because it's the most important thing. That two hours recording that podcast is more important than anything else. And all those other little jobs can wait. Now, sometimes that means that I get to the end of the day and I haven't done those little jobs. But you know what? They're not as important as this podcast. This podcast grows my list. It puts me in front of more new people. It grows my credibility, my reputation. All of those are boxes that I need to tick this year because it's important to my business. So what's important to your business? Write it down, review it daily, and then do those things first. And if you don't have space to do those things first every day, then you've got to review where are you doing your work? Do you really need to sit at a desk in your office all day, every day? Or can you go and sit in a coffee shop or at a hotel or find a restaurant somewhere where you can, you just need a bit of power and some Wi-Fi and some earphones in and you can focus on doing whatever needs to be done every day. 
In fact, I've said a few times on the podcast, and I say it to my clients all the time, if you can find an hour a day, just one hour a day, to work on your business rather than in your business, you can change everything within 12 months. It really is that simple, so long as you're focused on the things that make the biggest difference. How to contribute to the show. I would love to get your feedback on the show. What do you want me to do more of? What do you want me to do less of? What guests do you think I should be interviewing? What subjects would you like me to talk about? Why don't you drop me an email? It's me at the end of the email, and I'd love to have a chat with you. It's hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Coming up next week. Taking advantage of these five suggestions that we've made, you can easily make up to 80% margins on Azure. You could save up to 80% off the list price of Azure. That's Joseph Landers from Nerdio. He's going to be joining me next week for the start of a special two-part series on how you can sell more Azure and also make a lot more money from it. We're also going to be talking next week about why you must checklist everything in your business and checklist it on paper, not on a screen. Plus, I'm going to tell you about the three plus one plan for your life. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.